All right, folks, we're in lesson 14 today. We're going to look at Jacob. This is going to be the first of maybe two or three lessons on Jacob. Uh, by the way, you're thinking, wow, George, we're, 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 this is a survey on the Old Testament and we're only into Jacob 14 weeks in. How long is this series going to be? I don't know, but folks, as we get to other books, it's going to go a little bit quicker. These are foundational lessons for us to understand God, his people, which is Israel, and the Messiah. That's what the survey of the Old Testament is. Now, I do want to make a comment because I don't think you've noticed, maybe you have noticed by now, you know, if I were to write a story about someone who is the founder of the people that I come from, or, you know, my forefather, or the founder of the religion I belong to, my tendency would be to is to write rosy, sweet, wonderful, heroic stories about who that guy is. Isn't that our tendency? That's what we tend to do about all of our founding fathers, even from our nation. We write rosy, wonderful stories that reflect a heroic character. Now, the problem is, is that when we do that, there's one thing that we leave out, okay? We leave out what they were really like. We, we, we leave out their mistakes. We, we leave out their character sometimes. You know, do you know what I'm saying? We, we leave out their sins. It's kind of like, you know, I, you know, as a pastor, I'm constantly conf confronted with books that I need to buy from churches that are, quote, doing it. And I've, you know, after so many years now of pastoring, I've realized that when I read those books, they talk about all the wonderful things that are happening in their church. I've yet to read a book that ever shared the struggles they went through, the price they had to pay. Because that's not our, that's not human nature. Human nature is to express wonderful, heroic things. Now, here's the thing. When you come to the Bible and it talks about Jacob, who would also be called Israel, <laughs> when you read his story, whoa, I don't know that you would want to do business with Jacob. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know that you want to do business with him. Because he's kind of shady, schemer. Do you know what I'm saying? Some might say a schmuck. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just being honest. You know what I'm saying? But that's how honest the Bible is. Why would the Bible do that? Well, the Bible would do that because it wants you to grasp that in and of ourselves, we're nothing. There's nothing special about any of us. It's only because of grace. Grace. Because when you compare Esau with... Yeah, Esau made some wrong decisions about the women he was marrying, but he's, he's not like Jacob. But God chose Jacob. When you look at, later on, you look at King Saul, and yeah, he was maybe a little nuts, okay? But, as far as his character and his morality, he's a little bit better than David. Did you understand what I'm saying? But yet God chose David. It's, 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 that's just the reality of the scripture in showing us things. So, so here we are. We're going to look today. At chapter 27, we're going to start with verse 41. We're not going to read this out, but we're going to go all the way up to chapter 29, verse 30. 
And we're going to look, the focus now shifts from Isaac, because remember, right before this was the blessing, and remember, Jacob deceived Isaac to get the blessing that was supposed to go to Esau. That's a pretty schmuck thing to do, right? Think about the brotherly relationships there, right? Do you think there was some feuding and some fighting there? Well, we're going to see it here, okay? So starting out in verse 41 of chapter 27, we see, if you read through that section there, that Esau is not happy. Esau is pretty ticked off. Now, he's got a right to be ticked off. He had he was conned into selling his birthright for a bowl of porridge. And now he's given up the blessing. So he's upset. So here we go. Because Jacob received the blessing, Esau plotted to kill him after Isaac's death. So here's what Esau said. Esau said, you know, I'm going to wait. I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to kill him, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till daddy dies and the period of mourning is over. Now, what's a period of mourning? Well, they would have a time where they were to mourn the death of someone in their life. Might be four weeks, might be six weeks, and they had certain things that they needed to do during that time as a reflection of that mourning. And then after that, after the period of mourning was over for the dead, Esau says, I'm going to kill him. You ever said that? I'm going to kill him. You know, you maybe didn't mean it literally. Like when he gets home, I'm going to kill him. You know what I'm saying? Never said something like that. You know what? Nobody wants to admit that here. Okay. But if you're a parent, you've said that or thought that, right? I'm going to kill him. I can't believe he did that. You know, he, but here Esau is literally wanting to kill him. Okay. Now, as is the case, we've already know this, they're in, they're Bedouins, they're basically moving in tents. You say something in the camp in your tent, do people hear you? Yeah, well, his mom finds out. So hearing of Esau's plans, Rebecca tells Jacob to flee to her brother Laban in Haran. So mom, first of all, mom's the one who came up with the strategy of what? deceiving Isaac. So she hears now, whoa, well, this isn't, he's, a, he's more, we, we got to give him some time to cool down, okay? So, hey, Jacob, he's really, he, he wants to wrap his hands around your throat. I think it's time for you to go visit some family that I haven't seen in a while. You've never met them, but kind of go up there for a little bit and then come back till he cools down, okay? Till he cools down. So hearing of Esau's plans, Rebecca tells Jacob to flee to her brother Laban in Haran, which is what we would call Syria today, okay? So Rebecca then, she's got to have a reason for Jacob to leave. So he can't just pick up and leave and go, okay? Because dad's going to wonder, well, where's Jacob? Why did he go? He didn't tell anybody anything. He can't go. I've got things I need for him to do. What's going on here? So Rebecca... It's wise. She goes to Isaac and complains. So Rebecca complains to Isaac that Jacob might find a wife among the Canaanites. Remember that bothered them when Esau found a wife or two wives among the Canaanites that were really bothered them? 
And, and so she goes to Isaac and says, look, Isaac, we've got to send him away. Otherwise, he's going to take, he's going to grieve us and take a wife from these women who are around here. We need to send him away to our family. Well, that makes perfect sense. But she's got another reason to send him away, right? She doesn't want him dead, all right? So, stop for a moment. Are you, are you blown away about how candid the Bible is about their family issues? Would you say they're a pretty functional family here? You would say they're, a, no, I would say they're dysfunctional, Sam. Okay. Would you, everybody agree that they're dysfunctional? I would say they're normal. Okay, I just wanted to see if people were awake because nobody's responding this morning, okay? All right, so here we go. She does this in order that Isaac sends Jacob to Haran. Okay, so she does this in order to get Isaac to send him. All right, now, that would, that would be smart, okay? That would be smart. And the reason why that's smart is if, if Jacob just all of a sudden left, I think that would make Esau even more angry. Oh, yeah, he knows he did wrong. He's out of here because he's hurt. I'm going to get him, okay? But now, where's Jacob? Oh, daddy sent him to Syria, to Haran, okay? That's kind of smart of Rebecca here, right? All right, so, but it's interesting how Esau responds. This is amazing. Okay, so let's look at this. Um. First of all, we're going to look in chapter 28, verses 1 to 9. If you look, read that on your own, we see now that Isaac gives a charge and a command to Jacob before he goes. We see that in verses 1 to 5. So Isaac charged Jacob not to take a wife from the Canaanites, but to seek one in Laban's family. Basically saying, Jacob, I don't want you taking a wife from these people around here. You are not to take a wife from any of these folks from around here. I want you to go to your uncle's household and take a wife from his household. Okay, don't take one from these folks. All right? So Isaac bestows the blessing of Abraham on Jacob that he may inherit the land that was promised. Now, isn't that interesting? Who's he giving the blessing now, Abraham's blessing to? He's giving it to... Jacob. He's giving it to Jacob. Now, Esau hears about this going on. We see this in verses 6 through 9. So Esau saw that his father was not pleased with his what? Canaanite wives. I think you, I think we, we know, we know that's true. If you ever, you know, family, oh, you're going to get married. Okay. That's wonderful. But as life goes on, time goes on, you kind of realize whether or not your family really likes who you marry. Well, Esau, maybe it took him a while, but he finally realizes, mom and dad don't like my wives. And that's why they're sending Jacob away, because they don't want him to do what I did, okay? So he wants to make things better. So in his mind, I can, I can almost see this is going on. Esau's saying, okay, so they're not giving him this blessing. They're not upset with him for stealing the blessing. It's because I got these wives. So here's what he decides to do. He says, I'm going to make it better. 
like getting another wife makes it better, okay? Well, he's, I'm going to make it better. He gets another wife, okay? But this time he's a little bit more picky about who his wife is. He doesn't get another Canaanite wife because the Canaanites are, you know, they're not, they're, they're going to be judged one day. So here's what he does. He goes and looks among family. But he didn't go up to Haran where Laban is. He goes a little bit closer to home. Here's what he does. So Esau took the daughter of Ishmael as his wife in addition to his Canaanite wives. So he took his cousin. He marries his cousin through his uncle Ishmael. Like that's going to settle everything. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? So now, the whole focus shifts to Jacob. So when we get to chapter 28, verses 10 through 22, we're going to see that what we talk about in children's Sunday school, Jacob's vision of the ladder. Okay? How many of you know the, the vision of the ladder? He's, he, he uses a rock for the pillow. Remember we talked about this in children's Sunday school? He uses a rock for the pillow, and all the kids are like, ooh, a pillow for a rock, a rock for a pillow? Are you kidding me? And then he has this dream, and he sees what? A ladder with angels descending and ascending, you know. So here we go. Chapter 28, verse 10 to 22. So as Jacob slept, he dreamed of a ladder to heaven with angels ascending and descending. Okay, so he sees this ladder in his dream with angels ascending and descending. Now at the top of this ladder, he sees God. The Lord then speaks to Jacob in this vision, and the Lord promises to bless Jacob according to the promise given to Abraham. All right, now stop for a moment. This, this, this would, okay, this is like, Wow. Okay, so stop for a moment. If you're Jacob, and your daddy says, I give you the blessing of Abraham, that, that would be, oh, wow. File that away. But you're on your way fleeing your brother. You're sleeping overnight. You have this vision where you see this ladder going to heaven and angels descending and ascending, and you see God at the top of the ladder. And then God speaks to you and says, I'm giving you what I promised your granddaddy and I promised your dad. That would be significant, wouldn't it? You know what I'm saying? He's having a real, an experience with God. All right? He's having an experience with God. Now, the Lord also promised to be with Jacob and never forsake him. That's interesting. Why would he do that? This, it's, it's common sense. Why would he do that? Why would the Lord say to Jacob, hey, I'm going to be with you and I'll never forsake you? Why would that be significant? It's pretty common sense. First of all, he's going somewhere. Has he ever been there before? He's going to go among family he's never met before. Would you be nervous? Okay, so let's just say all of a sudden, you were told you've never left Clearfield County, and now you've been told that you need to take a road trip to Newfoundland. 
You know where that is? That's in Canada, but beyond Canada. That's that island where the moose are at. Oh, yeah. oh moose, I'm ready. No, no, no. But you're on your, you're, you got to get up there on your own. You don't know how you get in there. You, you just know you got to go there. And when you get there, you'll figure it out. Would you be apprehensive showing up in a new place? I am. <laughs> Maybe I'm chicken. I'm, I remember one time, uh, we took a missions trip from this church to Haiti, 2000, I don't know when it was, we showed up at the airport, and the guy who was supposed to pick us up wasn't there. And we're in Haiti, and I have no clue. All I know is the area that we're going to, I don't even know how to get there. So we kind of wait around, wait around, and finally a guy comes up and says he's a taxi driver. And I said, okay, well, we'll hire you. Can you take us to Montrouge? Okay, so he said, okay, I'll take you there. So we get in his vehicle. Now, talk about feeling really apprehensive. He takes a route that I've never taken before to that place. You think I'd be scared? But we showed up there. But that, that you get nervous, right? So if God comes to you and says to you in the dream as you're on your journey, I'm going to give you the promise of Abraham. And then he says, wait a minute now, I want you to know I'm going to be with you, and I'll never forsake you. That would be a comfort, wouldn't it? That would be a comfort. So Jacob awoke from the sleep amazed and built a pillar to mark the place that he called Bethel. So he wakes up, he either sets a stone up as a pillar, and he pours water or oil on it, and he marks the place as a special place because he met God there, and he called the place Bethel. Bethel. Now, it's interesting now, here's what Jacob does. Now this is going to show you the level of his spiritual faith here in this God. Okay, Jacob vows to serve God if he keeps him and brings him home safely. God just said to him, I'm going to be with you, I'll never forsake you. Jacob says, wow, this is a special place as God. Now I'm going to serve this God if he what? keeps me safely. So it's kind of letting you know the level of his faith, right? Now, here's what I want you to understand sometimes. That's something you need to grasp. Sometimes when you are raised in a home, because was he raised in a home where they worship God? Yes, okay? He was raised in a home where they worship God, but I want you to hear me. Sometimes when you're raised in a home where you worship God, Sometimes the next generation knows what to believe, but they maybe haven't gotten yet to the place where they own it themselves. And that's what has to happen. Everybody has to own their faith. And I think what we're seeing here right now is, is Jacob is experiencing this faith, but he doesn't own it yet. Do you understand what I'm saying? He doesn't own it yet. All right? So let's go on. So, Jacob arrives at the well. We go on to chapter 29, verse 30, and we're going to talk about Rachel, okay? So Jacob arrives at the well in Haran and inquires of Laban and his household. So he gets to Haran, and he gets... The, if you're going to go to a place where you want to find out where people live or whatever, you go to the central part of town and you ask questions, which happens to be the watering hole. So he says, hey, do you guys know Laban and his household? And they said, yes. In fact, here comes his daughter with the sheep. 
So he told he was told that Rachel, Laban's daughter, is coming to the well with sheep. Okay? And they, they explained to him that, well, we're not going to take the rock off until all of the flocks are here. Okay? So, but here she comes. Now, Jacob, now, does Jacob follow rules? No, he, we already know that. He does his own thing, right? So guess what he does? He sees her coming. So what does he do? He goes over by himself, takes the rock off, and starts to feed her, uh, give water to her flocks. If you're the other guys around there, you'd be what? Ticked off. We're already here. We're waiting for the time to take the rock off. Well, he's doing this for her. So he removed the stone from the well and watered the flock of Laban. Okay? Then he kisses her. He kissed Rachel and wept aloud, stating that he was Rebekah's son. So he identifies himself. He kisses her because this is his cousin. Now you realize that this is his first cousin. All right? So this is his cousin. And he says, I'm Rebecca's son. He weeps, cries out, I'm Rebecca's son. Now, there could be any number of reasons why he cried. First of all, I made it. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? I made it. Now, we're not like taking a road trip on I-80 to this place, okay? This is not a road trip. All right, so he made it, and he is weeping because he made it to family. Now, Laban meets Jacob. Of course, she runs home and says, guess who's here? Our cousin from, it's Rebecca's son. And so, of course, Rebecca is Laban's sister. And so he meets Jacob and invites him to stay for a month. Isn't that interesting? He says, you can stay here a month. Okay, a month. So he invites him, kisses him, says you can stay here a month. Now, Laban had two daughters, and Jacob offers to serve for seven years to marry Rachel. Now, he had two daughters. The oldest name was Leah, and the younger was Rachel. And, you know, he said, you can stay a month. So, so uh, Jacob's a guy who makes deals or whatever, and he says, well, you know what? For her hand, I'll serve you seven years. Seven years of serving him so that he can marry Rachel, okay? So he can marry Rachel. Now, this is where it gets really interesting, okay? Laban agrees, and Jacob served for seven years as if they were only a few days. He was so excited that he's going to get to marry Rachel. Seven years just seemed like a blip of time to him because he knew he was going to get her, all right? Knew he was going to get her. Now, their marriage ceremonies are a little bit different than ours today, okay? Their marriage ceremonies are a little bit different than ours. So when they had somebody to get married, they had a big festival. We have the reception after the marriage, right? The, in their day, the, 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 the wedding feast happened before the, quote, wedding happened. And their, but their wedding is a little bit different. You just went into the tent, and then you were married. Do you understand? So, on the night of the marriage, Laban deceives Jacob and gives him Leah. Now you're saying, how does he deceive and give them, how does he do this? Well, remember, they're already partying, and they're not drinking water. First of all, they didn't drink water back then. They're drinking wine, 
and lots of wine, even with a little fermentation, are you in your right mind? Can you think straight? Probably not. So here's the tent. Go ahead. Here you go, bro. She's waiting inside. He goes in. Next morning he wakes up, thinks it's Rachel with him, and it's Leah. He's been deceived. So now he's married. You're like, well, that's not married. No, he's married. He's married to the woman. He did. He served seven years for Rachel. He got Leah. Now the scripture is interesting. It says that her eyes were not good. So she obviously had some sort of eye problem and they didn't have glasses back there. Okay? So here's what happens. In the morning, Jacob realizes the deception and confronts Laban. So and this is it's almost humorous because this is the kind of stuff that Jacob did, right? Now it's being done to him. You know what I'm saying? This is the kind of stuff that Jacob did. Now it's being done to him. And he's like, well, you know, I served you for seven years for Rachel. And here's what Laban says. Laban says, well, you know, it's not our way to give the younger away before the older. What a rebuke. Because he's the younger and he's been deceiving to get the stuff for the, you know what I'm saying? So he comes and he's like, well, it's not our way. So guess what he agrees to? Laban states it's not their custom to marry the younger first, so I already mentioned that. So here's, here's, here's what they agree to. Isn't this interesting? Laban offers Rachel for an additional seven years of service. He's like, okay, you want her that bad? Okay, you can have her, but I'm going to need another seven years of working with my flocks. And he says yes. Isn't that interesting? He says, yes. However, there's some customs. Here's some customs. So after a week to fulfill Leah's bridal week, so they had a bridal week, which was the focus was supposed to be on who? Leah. So after a week to fulfill the bridal week, Laban gave Rachel to Jacob. So now he shows up. He was supposed to show up and find one wife. He shows up. Now he has what? Two wives, okay? Two wives. Now, it gets worse, folks, as time goes on, okay? It gets worse as time goes on, okay? By the way, can I be honest with you? The Bible is very brutal about polygamy because that's what it's called. What he's doing here is called polygamy. The Bible is very brutal about the reality of polygamy. It's never shown in a positive light. There's always problems that come out of it. Now, why am I mentioning that? Because today, in some circles of our Christendom, in evangelical Christendom, there are actually people who are talking about it. They're whacked out. I just think they're nuts, okay? They're actually talking about that it's okay to have, and they're not Mormon, <laughs> it's okay to have a second wife. Do you need your head examined? Read the Bible. It ain't good. Do you know what I'm saying? It ain't good. So he's entering into now a polygamous relationship. He has two wives. Now, folks, they didn't share the same tent. Okay? They didn't share the same tent. They had different tents. So basically, he's got two places to sleep now. 
Okay? So Jacob also gave a handmaid to each of his daughters. Excuse me, Laban also gave a handmaid. That should be Laban. Laban also gave a handmaid to each of his daughters as a wedding gift. So here's a wedding gift. I give you this handmaid. Now the handmaid probably was a teenager. Okay, probably was a teenager to to help them or assist them in their duties and responsibilities. All right, any questions? Next week, kids start showing up. Okay? Next week, kids start showing up. And it's an interesting story about kids showing up.